Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining to our BSX uh, TV to our uh, today's session on real estate. Um, as most of you are aware, real estate sector and the financing to the sector has been on the previous train uh, even before COVID lockdown. Inventory levels were increasing both due to weak demand and uh, developers' inability to complete projects. Realizing this, the RBI has already given some relief for banks, which it has now extended to the NBFCs and HSCs for COVID outbreak. Uh, while the construction and land financing portfolios were already stretched, uh, the NRD book provided consistent cash flows both to the developers and financiers. With COVID hitting the economy, even these portfolios are now significantly impacted. To discuss some of these issues on the sector, we have with us Amar Nairani, Managing and Director, Lander Finance. Uh, Amar brings with him over 26 years of lending, investment banking, and consulting experience and has led several project and structured finance transactions, M&A and private equity transactions, IPOs, and SPOs. Uh, Amar has been heading Xander Finance since 2012. Um, he is responsible for its management and growth over these years. Uh, before Xander, Amar from 2006 to early 2012 headed the real estate vertical for Kotak Bank and raised over $1.5 billion of equity financing for uh, leading developers, both in the public and private equity markets. Uh, Amar is an electrical engineer from BJTI Mumbai and holds an MBA from uh, NMIMS Mumbai. Uh, thanks for joining with us, uh, Amar. I really appreciate the time. Thanks, Karthik. Uh, pleasure to be on this call. And thanks to Investec for hosting me. Uh, that was a very uh, flattering introduction. But yeah, uh, I'll try my best to do justice in this call. is in a transformation mode. Uh, 
it is in a mode where there's a huge amount of change within all segments within the business. So if you look at regulation, if you look at the way the sector is treated and governed, if you look at the way customer preferences have changed, if you look at how the approval regime has changed, if you look at how uh, uh, the financing has changed, everything has transformed in the last three to four years and this is only expected to accelerate in the next one to two years. Uh, because of COVID as well as because of uh, some developments like uh, RERA and GSP and NDFC liquidity crisis and so on. So there's a huge amount of flux and change in the sector and that's all leading to consolidation where the well-managed, well-governed and typically the larger developers, although may not always be the case, uh, are the ones that, uh, that will ultimately be the big beneficiaries in the sector. Uh, so, as far as the as far as the um, uh, offtake is concerned, residential is the biggest component, obviously, because uh, uh, 130 crore people of them within the top eight cities, there is a huge amount of demand. But obviously, that demand needs to find its right price, right price point and the right uh, design and structure for it to be translated from potential demand to actual demand. Uh, so there is, uh, so within within real estate, about 70% of the uptake would be residential. Within the remaining 30%, uh, 20 on 100 would be commercial and 10 on 100 would roughly be retail. Uh, so, so that's the breakup of uh, space very roughly as a rule of thumb. Uh, as far as uh, financing is concerned, banks were very active in the sector till um, till 2008-9, uh, beyond which, after which RBI put severe restrictions on financing from banks post-2008 crisis. Uh, there was a brief period from 2009 to 11, 9 to 10, 10 or 11 rather, where equity markets were very active, so you had a lot of listings of real estate developers in that period, uh, both uh, IPOs and QIPs. Uh, after which, uh, from 2012-13 onwards, NBFC is having pretty active, NBFC and SFC. Uh, so around 2012-13, um, the share of NBFC and SFC in the total financing would have been around uh, 25%, and in 2019 it was about 65%. Uh, of course, after the NBFC crisis, the share has come down. So from 65, it is down to about 57, 58% now. Because the last one, one and a half years, banks have increased their share of it, uh, and NDFCs have reduced a bit. So from, but largely speaking, if you look at overall flows, NDFC financing in 2016, 17, 18, and 19 into the journey is more than what banks put in and private equity put in uh, as an aggregate. So in terms of incremental flows, the share of money that came from NBFCs uh, was more than banks plus private equity combined. Uh, so if you look at, let's say, FY19, about uh, the cumulative exposure of uh, NBFCs was about 2,80,000 odd crores. Uh, bank lending was about 1,90,000 crores. And private equity incremental was about 28,000 crores, roughly. Uh, that was FY19. Uh, and the similar trend was there from FY15-16 onwards. But now that NDFCs are not active, and now that NDFCs, uh, largely speaking, I mean, there are exceptions of course, but uh, largely speaking, NDFCs have been dominant in the last year, year and a half, because of their own liquidity issues and their own uh, problems in many cases, leverage and, and inadequacy of bank finance or mutual fund finance. Now, uh, there is going to be significant challenges for a lot of developers who are in the smaller or mid-run category and that is the big reason for consolidation wherein the bigger developers who even now get bank finance and NBFC finance will be able to uh, will be able to effectively do JDAs, do land acquisitions, do, do various kind of acquisition transactions with smaller developers with the consent of the lenders of the smaller developers as well as financing from the lenders to the bigger developers. So this consolidation is something that will play out increasingly now. Uh, 
uh, and it has already started about a year or two back, but it will be out increasing now, and uh, we'll see far more of it because the bulk share of customers, financiers, and approvals is now going to the larger developers. So that is only going to happen. Uh, but not to say that the smaller developers will be completely wiped out. There will be a market for them also. Uh, so the, the smaller projects, the neighborhood projects, the loca local projects will be done by the smaller developers and one can't expect the very large developers to do two, three, four towers kind of smallish projects. So these will be done by the smaller developers but they would need to be A, low on leverage and B, well governed, well managed and uh, running a compact ship rather than spreading themselves too thin. Uh, so that's what I would say in terms of uh, developers and how they would they uh, have been changing and the entire landscape of this sector has been uh, has altered a lot in the last three four years uh, and this is only expected to continue. If you could uh, get into a bit more detail in terms of how the entire COVID situation is further worse than the financials and the uh, current balance sheet construct for these developers, uh, especially with respect to what has been the experience of lenders on the moratorium front. And within that, uh, maybe a couple of uh, minutes each on the commercial real estate uh, LRDs and the retail LRDs, uh, because those things to have had those, they were doing well before COVID, and now suddenly uh, 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 a black one even hit that part of the portfolio. Sure. Um, so yeah, yeah as, as you would be aware, there's a RGM moratorium that's on from 1st of March to 31st of May for all payments from all borrowers in the in the system to all lenders. So therefore, the majority of Portfolios of lenders, be it bank or MDFC, uh, to real estate or even outside real estate, uh, both both wholesale as well as retail, it is in the moratorium right now. So effectively, one doesn't know the stress levels that will that will be witnessed after the end of moratorium. Uh, there are expectations that the moratorium would be would be extended by at least one more quarter. So one expects it to continue till September at least. Is what the industry expects at this point because even though even if the lockdown were to open let's say the first week of June or thereabouts in the major cities of India, uh, they, it would take uh, quite a while for developers to start their construction because labor will be a big challenge uh, after the management issue and uh, also the availability of materials and the entire supply chain would be sluggish to start with. And therefore, uh, therefore, there is expectation that the moratorium will be extended. But yeah, what happens at the end of the moratorium or when it gets over, uh, there, there will be, uh, there will be a challenge in terms of servicing for a, quite a few cases is what I think. Uh, there will be some, uh, at least as far as the more leverage uh, developers or developers with projects that that were not designed well, the projects that were not very scalable at the price points they were being offered at to, to customers uh, or very early stage projects, these were, would be the ones which would uh, bear the brands as far as less cash collections and less cash flows are concerned and uh, these would be the ones which would be offered to the larger developers as consolidation, wherein the larger developers would be able to sell at a at least a 20% higher sales, 15 20% higher sales price compared to the smaller developers. And if there is a haircut being taken by the outgoing lender, uh, that creates value for the incoming developer also. So, all this needs to play out, of course. Uh, so, there will be stress, no doubt on that, uh, uh, in the residential segment, uh, because while there will be higher demand from uh, uh, customers, there will be high latent demand because of COVID and then, and people may need to, may, may be thinking of buying a house for themselves. Uh, the rental based houses may shift in terms of ownership. All these things, uh, all these factors may be there, but at the right, right, right point. So, uh, people may want a bigger house, better surroundings, more hygienic locations, 
but again at a more affordable price point because obviously all asset classes and all all uh, asset prices uh, there is a bit of compression in prices everywhere so that would also need to reflect in real estate and uh, that is why uh, there will be demand at the right price so developers who have the ability to cut price so sell inventory and have a good project in terms of access location design of product um and a good construction speed will be able to sell and uh, i see more sales for the larger developers uh, with good product uh, at the right price point so that that i think there will be there will be better sales but the remaining the remaining developers will have a bit of a challenge as far as the commercial office space is concerned yes there is an overhang of uh, the covid situation um and we have seen a few large companies in india and overseas like tcs announced it that 25% of their workforce would go to office and 75% be work from home so a few other corporates also i think it's for the long term thing uh that over the long term they would want to work a lot from home and only the the front end or the um manpower that needs to be in offices would actually end up being there uh so all these are statements strategic statements that have been put out but how it actually unfolds nobody knows uh because while all of us have been working from home over the last month and a half or so but uh while we do work from home but there are challenges also especially in indian context uh, it's not as easy uh, as uh, perhaps it would be in other places but so there are challenges and uh, there there would be a fair bit of time before all this actually is uh, put in place also there is the other compensating factor which which uh, applies more to ips ates and dto and even maybe it that uh, currently it was 70 to 80 square feet per person but after social distancing norms are applied and it increases to 120 or so to maintain a 6 feet distance and therefore they need more more leave for commercial space So it's something like the Y2K situation where at that point people said that because the entire industry is in a problem after 2000, after 2000, uh, the offshoring and outsourcing will reduce to India because the industry in the US is undergoing severe margin pressure, but actually it resulted in more offshoring to India because they wanted a lower cost solution. So it was opposite of what industry wanted. So the same thing could happen even in this wherein they could be in an additional need for space because of social distancing uh, and also margin pressures which means that uh, more offshoring is done into indian companies so that maybe is maybe what may happen uh, also from our experience of being a owner and operator of commercial space across several locations uh, in bangalore chennai pune noida uh, and so on uh, we are seeing no reduction at all at this point uh, we are in the middle of may uh, the 96% of april deals have been paid which is exactly in line with what used to happen earlier uh, we have seen we have seen uh, uh, rent agreements being negotiated and ready to be signed uh, for at the same prices at which they were being negotiated three months uh, with new clients so new state also is being used out um so therefore uh, the the degree of impact of covid on the office segment appears to be not as much as uh, was thought of uh, initially uh, but obviously is a early day so let's see what happens in may june and july uh, to get a more clear picture but at this point things reasonably good on the retail malls obviously the retail malls have been shut by the order from the government so there's no there's no uh, activity in the malls uh, and therefore uh, there's uh, uh, there's no rent is being paid or very limited rent is being paid by retailers to mall owners so that is an area of concern for uh, the industry although uh, many measures are being put in place by them including reduction of cost including rationalizing of cost including uh, of course interest moratorium is in place uh, the interim moratorium is in place so uh, 
at this point there is no real pressure but uh, once the moratorium lifts the expectation is that the food and the wellness malls will continue to get the retailers uh, and uh, the retailers may vacate their positions from the weaker malls uh, or want to consolidate because uh, people or shoppers may not go into all the malls at its density as they used to pre crisis uh and therefore uh, the points of presence in the city for any of the large retailers may come down a bit and therefore the retail malls may see some amount of uh, reduction in rentals for the next 6 months to one year that is the expectation which uh which i have uh but the stronger ones the good look well located ones uh, the ones that had a good amount of traction from customers and retailers i don't think should be much worried Uh, so just to give you a parallel, in China, one these uh, as the cities have opened up, uh, mall traffic is back to about 73 to 75 percent of what it was. In Germany, it is back to about 60 to 62 percent of what it was. This, these numbers we got three days back from these two locations. So things are coming back wherever uh, malls have been opened. Of course, people would wear masks and people would. apply social distancing and uh, in a disciplined way which i also expect to happen in malls in india as far as the financing is concerned uh, yes there uh, so the the enthusiasm with which uh, banks and ndfcs banks to large extent uh, would do lrds would be lesser now in my opinion uh, they would do 15 year lrds earlier with handsome extensions built in which i think will not happen now so the lrd eligibility amounts will come down uh the rates also will harden a bit which is prudent if they do it uh and uh, uh there will be a wait and watch from lenders both in commercial and uh, uh retail mall spaces on the extent of financing which they do uh because uh, people will want to see how this these two places close if they have to do an lrd top up uh so so it won't be as as uh, hunky dory or as uh, simple as it be till pre covid days on these two places on lrd also if i were to uh, draw some parallels in terms of the disclosures by banks so far on their moratorium the, the number has been in the 20% ballpark range Uh, do you think even for the uh, real estate sector uh, that that that's a fair number to work with in terms of the amount number of amount of uh, data and moratorium? No, I think it will be higher. For real estate, it will be much higher. It will be not less than not less than seventy five to eighty percent. So my guess is between eighty and ninety percent is where it would be uh, in terms of customers opting for the moratorium. Uh, I'm talking about wholesale real estate developers, not talking about retail. But yeah, uh, that's where it would be uh, because, and perhaps rightfully so, also to some extent, because anyway their collections were low, and now of course they can't construct, they can't sell because you need physically, you need people to operate physically, you need to customers to come and do site visits, and it takes at least five to six times on an average to. Convert customer. Now the customers can't come to the site, and the laborers can't operate the site. Then naturally, developers also will not be able to collect. So therefore, uh, I think industry-wide it would be 80 to 90 percent between NDFs and banks, as far as real estate developers are concerned. Sure. Thanks for that. Uh, then, uh, so there's no sorry, there's no there's no disclosure by anybody, but that's my assessment. But. Uh, if we come to the liquidity situation as to how NBFs uh, uh, have been managing their cash flow uh, post the COVID situation, and what would be interesting from your perspective is uh, to hear how what how have your conversations with banks changed uh, post COVID? Um, uh, have have they been completely reluctant to hear your side of the conversation and? Whether any of the liquidity measures in the form of PLTRO2 etc. Uh, have been helpful for the uh, uh, commercial finance, commercial real estate financiers. Yeah. So, so I think um, as far as NDFC initiative is concerned, uh, 
there is a strong realization amongst lenders and banks and even investors that the focus now is on governance and not as much on scale or leverage and the older thoughts that people had. Uh, and if you are a well-governed, well-run NBFC, which means basically you have built a good asset book that is reasonably liquid and where customers are paying you on time, uh, which means it's a good asset book, uh, you have not increased leverage beyond a point uh, to, to optimize your shareholder returns beyond a point. Of course, you can do it to some extent, but not beyond a point. So, wherever leverage is under control, and you have a diversity of lenders uh, between various risk mutual funds and banks, uh, and you are good in your niche, because NBC is typically operating a niche, uh, there, uh, there is no dearth of capital, even now, from banks. So, TNCRO, um, for example, uh, has been a good good saver for NBFCs who fall in this bucket. Where, uh, uh, so, so I'll give you an R example, I mean, just to give a guessing point. We have been uh, after the INFS crisis, uh, we uh, effectively reduced our leverage significantly. We were at about 2.4 net leverage before crisis, somewhere in. March or June 2018, that's the viewer. Uh, in the last two years, we've reduced it significantly. We've now got it to less than one, which is, which is very low from an NBFC viewpoint, but it gives comfort to lenders. So whatever cash collections we got from, or whatever collections we got from, uh, our borrowers or repayments that came in, we kept on reducing our leverage and giving it to our banks as, even as prepayments and repayments, of course. Uh, and that gives comfort to a lender when he gets prepayments and repayments. So now that the leverage is less than one, and in addition to that, we are sitting on about 28% of uh, cash as a percentage of our even. That has given comfort to lenders now in this TLTRO2. And uh, we are in the midst of a fair bit of borrowing from banks, uh, which should materialize in the next, within the next 7 to 10 days. Uh, and, uh, with further bolster our cash level. So this, these cash levels that I just spoke about is pre-TLGO disbursements. Uh, once that happens in more, the better run NDFCs, the better governed NDFCs would be able to disburse once again and to do good quality deals that are available now in the marketplace. So, I think for well run, well governed and under leveraged or optimally leveraged ones, uh, there is a fair amount of debt and equity that's available. Because ultimately that money has to find its use somewhere. People, banks need to do this. And the government also is focused on the TLCRO as well as yesterday's measures announced by the finance minister. Uh, even, so there is, will be some more liquidity also that will come from there. So, I think, um, banks are willing to disperse and TLCRO2 also betters your ALN profile because it's a bullet majority and at the end of three or three and a half years. Uh, and uh, it's at a reasonably good cost for investors. So, so yeah, there is fair amount of liquidity even now. Uh, got it. Uh, and and just a last bit from my end before I open it up for the to the audience. Sure. Uh, there is already a BCCO uh, window available for uh, banks. It is now extended to lenders where they could restructure. Um, projects, um, so which could give a little bit of a leeway for uh, uh, most uh, financiers. Do you think uh, post-COVID a lot more of that would be used to uh, restructure the existing projects, or uh, do you think there should be another circular from RBI which would allow uh, uh, lenders to do that? So, I'll just talk about this. Thanks, thanks for that. Uh, so, uh, so TCCO has been there even before the spate of circulars just came out in April and May or March, April, May. So, TCCO has been there for many years, uh, which basically is for background. It means where uh, it's called date of commencement of commercial operation. So, if, if the lender, which is the bank or the NBSC or the HFC, can, uh, can say conclusively or with with a fair degree of 
conviction that the project has been delayed for no fault of the promoters of the company. So basically for let's say huge delays in approvals or something very, very, very beyond the control of the promoters. Uh, let's say a big litigation that's on between the state and the developers of some kind. So only these reasons typically are classified as grounds for DCCO, which meant even earlier, so I'm, I'm just at the earlier regime, which meant even earlier that uh, one could, as a bank or NGFC or HFC, uh, elongate the date of uh, repayments and interest by one year without any asset degradation or reduction in asset quality or NPA being called for that loan if these grounds are satisfied. Now, uh, so that was earlier. Now, RBI has recently stated that, uh, in the last few months, that banks and NDFCs can additionally take one more year for such projects. So, A, it is not for all the projects in real estate, uh, and B, it is only for one more year where you can take an additional year of no payments at all from the developer and push the entire interest in principle by one more year at the maximum. So it's maximum one year, you can even take less of. So effectively it's two years, one plus one, one only, one now. That's the regime. Now, therefore, all the projects don't get classified under that. So if it's a running project with all approvals and um, under construction and cash collections are coming in, there you can't typically take advantage of the DCCO. Uh, but th therefore, there's a there's a industry demand from real estate developers uh, and a pretty strong one. Uh, I've seen quite a lot of representations. And even by some of the larger mortgage financiers of India, uh, HFEs and some investors also, uh, wanting a one-time restructuring in addition to the DCCO window. So, a one-time restructuring would mean you could, as a lender, you could change any of the terms, including the tenure, including the repayment period, including moratorium and intermediate interest rate, without any NPA classification. So, that is a big demand and that is something which the industry expects at this point. Uh, a lot of discussions have taken place. I've also been on a few of them. Um, and I think there's a high chance of it happening. Uh, in some shape or form, there could be some uh, there could be some provisioning requirements for NDFC and HFC that they give something like this. Because this is a big one if it is given to developers, it will really give a lot of stress because um, one could potentially uh, potentially change the terms of the loan without any without much of problem or stress in the developer. So that is yet to be out. Uh, one there is an expectation industry that it will. So let's let's see what happens. Uh, this one time restructuring window. So that's what I would say on this. So uh, uh, on that bit, more historically, uh, experience of uh, the regulators and even the shareholders around restructuring has been uh, pretty poor. In the sense that nearly 40 50 percent eventually uh, turned out to be non-performing, especially in a corporate setup. Uh, how do you think uh, the regulator could repense uh, some of these risks? So, I think what, what they may do is they may, uh, so if you look at what the regulator did now in March, in April rather, uh, the, so that may be a precursor to what they may do over here. So, what they did was, uh, the payments, while the monitoring has been put from March 1 to, March, to May 31st, this three-month period is a moratorium because of COVID. What they did was, all the payments that were there prior to that, so let's say from January 1 to February 29, which were overdue as of March 1, there were some court cases in Bombay High Court and Delhi High Court because of uh, some, some customers, some borrowers uh, uh, going to the court asking for even those overdues to be to be subsumed within this RBI moratorium, which means RBI moratorium should even account for the overdues as of March 1. Uh, that was the requirement of the borrowers, which is the industry. Uh, but RBI kind of agreed to that, but then said that if, if you, if the lender uh, takes that into account, which means that let's say a customer had to pay on January 31st or February 25th or whatever, uh, and also counts that for no asset degradation and no NPA till May 31st, then the lender has to provide for 10% of the loans in his book as of 
uh, equally between March 31st and April 30th. Uh, so basically the lender has to provide an additional amount in their books if they have to allow this also not to decay. Which is what they may do if uh, they were to agree with a one-time restructuring, they may ask for a much higher amount to be provided in the lender's books. So whichever lender, uh, whichever borrowers to whichever lenders avail of this one-time restructuring, the lender has to bear a significant cost in their books, which means that the financials of those lenders will be weakened over the next few years because of high amount of provisioning that would need to be done for accommodating this one-time restructuring. Now, that is what I think, but I mean, obviously RBI uh, would need to decide and RBI would do their own thinking, I'm sure, and come up with the right decision for the industry. Uh, but yeah, it, this entire this entire situation puts a cloud on this entire BSS uh, segment for banks, NGFCs, and HFCs uh, in terms of how do you value them, what is the right book to look at, what is network, how much future revision will happen, or what time frame, how much of the book is real, how much of the book is um, is booked up. So, I, I even if I was a uh, investor on on that side, it would be extremely tough for me to assess any of the NGFCs. Uh, the only, so as I say to people in my industry that each of us running our own NGFCs, HFCs or banks know what the extent of problem or the extent of good or bad is in our respective books. Uh, nobody else knows. Um, to some extent, yes, regulator knows, but apart from that, investors and lenders, it's very difficult for them to happen. What and how much power does the financer has on forcing a developer to reduce prices and sell at a faster rate? We, we, as a financer, how much role or what role can you play if you see a project is uh, not going at a faster rate and builder is fixated with the prices? Have you done something of uh, where you have forced the developer to reduce prices or do something to increase the speed with which the sales are happening? Just a lot of thoughts on that. Yeah, that's a good question. We keep doing this on a very frequent basis, but at a weekly basis, which, uh, I'm not just I'm sure all the lenders do that. So, obviously, here the interests of the lenders are a big uh, divergent to the interest of the developer because the developer would like to maximize the price and its return on equity, whereas the lender would want the regular servicing, regular cash flows at whatever the market clearing price as may be there. So, yeah, there is a lot of discussions that take place between the teams, uh, between the lender and the developer. So, we have many mechanisms that work and that can work. Uh, so, what we do is we, uh, and we've done this in many cases actually, where we have a business plan for a, on a monthly, on a quarterly and a yearly basis, uh, wherein we say that if you, if you let's say, sell X number of units and so many square feet, uh, and we have a, a kind of a floor and cap, wherein the base rate, let's say, whatever percentage, rate it is 14%, 15%, and if if he sells faster than the business plan, then the rate reduces a bit. If he sells slower, then the rate goes up a bit. Of course, that's within a cap and a floor, but it kind of incentivizes him to sell. But again, we've tried this in quite a few cases. In some cases, it works. In some, the developers are still quite, quite rigid on reducing price. And there, we then sit on with them and have very involved in very active discussions, uh, many times I also meet them, and uh, we try to drill into their heads, we show them examples of various developers who, who went in for the price maximization and how they stayed up and so on. So those things are discussed, but uh, at times we also uh, talk about various legal things that can be done uh, if they don't fall into place, and in most cases they do, they also realize that is something that uh, while real estate is not perishable, but uh, customers can also move between projects and customers are very picky and choosy. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense to lock in the customer at whatever price. And after a lot of discussions, they agree in most cases. Um, and we also, at what we also do is we are fairly uh, involved in the in the sales discussions also. So we talk to the brokers at times we appoint our own brokers. Uh, we help in collections. 
So we play a part as a partner to them in many cases, uh, so that we know exactly what's happening on the ground in terms of sales price collections, uh, billing plans, presence of customers, and so on. And we work along with them in ensuring that they clear the inventory at at whatever the market clearing price is, and not just sit on it. Uh, but obviously, they would not just sell more than what is needed for repayment for interest. They would hold the rest, which I think we are okay with. Uh, I mean, we need as much as needed for repayment and interest. Beyond that, if they want to hold, so they have, they have no objectives of price maximization, they can hold. Uh, but obviously, it doesn't happen. It's only a price decrease that happens. So now, I think they are realizing it gradually. Last four to five years only, I am saying. We have not seen the prices to come down. And why nobody wants to be a distributor or a BA, get a higher IRR? Even from the larger reputed developers, we have not seen something of being a disruptor or game changer in the market. Why is that? So what's your thought process? And how are the larger players thinking about the prices? Means? Are they ready to think of reducing the prices in newer launches to get a better sales or just some thoughts on those things? Yeah, so this is of course talked about a lot in many, many discussions. But so my view on this is that developers, where they, where they can reduce prices, do reduce, uh, as I mentioned, to ensure tax service. But from their own perspective to assess their PNL and their profitability, it is far lower than what is thought about in, in the industry. So I just so when we when we do transactions and we lend to developers and invest in them, obviously we look at their own their numbers, their profitability, how much are they making when we enter and even after we exit, how much would they be making, what's the scale of the game, project by project. Uh, and what we have seen is that in the last two, three, four years also. Uh, whenever we look at their numbers, it is not much. I mean, their profits are very much lesser than what uh, used to be earlier. Very, very less compared to what used to be. Their margins are not more than 10%, 12% maybe. Uh, because the prices have been static or falling gradually. The same price has been falling on a gradual basis. Uh, very little, but it has been falling. But the costs have been increasing. So, interest cost is very high on them. Construction costs have been increasing, labor costs have been increasing, and the SSI costs levied by the various state governments have been increasing, and the cost of doing business, which we are aware of, also has been increasing. Uh, so, at the end of the day, they don't make much money. And since they don't make much money, there is not much hope for them, and I'm even talking about the larger ones, the more, the very large ones also. Because the land prices are where they are, the land prices are not corrected usually. Because land prices are where they are and all the other costs including SSI, regulatory approval, um, interest costs, construction costs, labor costs are where they are. Uh, even the larger ones will not be able to reduce prices much. Therefore, the reduction in prices can come about from the secondary market where a lot of investors had brought in their apartments or commercial spaces. And they needed an exit because they may be overleveraged or in some financial problems or whatever. So price corrections can happen from there and then gradually come on to the developer segment also. But I would not expect the developer segment to reduce prices by more than 5 to 10% from now, maybe 10%, because there is not much capacity on new projects. But wherever they are sitting on OC inventory, which is ready inventory, and there is no cost to be incurred, I think there will be a good reduction there of maybe 15%. Uh, because that is something which the developer can do at his own discretion to ensure liquidity or profitability. But in new projects, because of the high land cost and all the other costs, I don't think there is much room to reduce. There won't be. Okay. And one more question. So how does this whole end the situation? Because see, I understand that the SSI prices have increased, the stamp duties have increased in most of the cities, the circle rates have increased, yes. the price of land has been higher, okay, and that the price at which the finished product is uh, gets manufactured, the margin for the maker is not much, and at what price he tries to sell is not, there is no market or the market is very, very small, and with the process, 
पोस्ट कोविड भी आई थिंक सैलरी कार्ड डेवलपमेंट्स एंड जॉब लॉसेस विच आल्सो भी देयर ओवर अ पीरियड ऑफ टाइम हाउ डू यू सी द सिचुएशन पैनिंग आउट फ्रॉम हियर ऑन एंड डू यू थिंक इवन सम इम्प्रूवमेंट कैन हैपन इन दिस बिजनेस और इन नेक्स्ट टू इयर्स आल्सो और थ्री इयर्स इन हाउ डू यू थिंक ऑफ दिस होल इंडस्ट्री फ्रॉम अ थ्री टू फाइव इयर्स बिकॉज सम आफ्टर पोस्ट कोविड Is government ready to reduce or is thinking of stamp duty or FSI or those charges which have also increased significantly to reduce or some benefits to the industry means for your sense on those? Yeah. Okay. So, so these reductions of all these duties and charges, like FSI costs and stamp duty, registration costs and all these, these are state government subjects. So, it all depends on various state governments. So. Tamil Nadu has reduced their stamp duty to zero now. Uh, just two days back, they came out. Uh, so for all new apartments, it makes zero. It is good for a new city perspective. So let's see if Maharashtra and other states also do it. Uh, yet to be seen. Uh, may not be zero in others, but they may reduce a bit. But yeah, coming to your uh, larger question on what I see happening in industry in the like next three to five years. Uh, so what I spoke about for recognition is all for the next six months to one year uh, about opening books. Including developers reducing prices, including uh, price cuts on office inventory, including uh, um, uh, not much reductions in construction inventory, and so on. So that is all six months to one year maximum waiting month. Uh, but then after that, uh, there is a huge amount of latent demand. Uh, there is a huge 130 crore, but even for that, but even the middle class, aspiring class. People working, uh, people getting married every year. They won't, that always won't stop. Uh, there will be a need for fresh houses. There will be a need for um, better hygienic locations and houses. Uh, less uh, people will be people will want more control on their lives and therefore to buy houses rather than to live in rented houses. So these factors will play, and I think the biggest factor that will play is uh, the fact that. Under construction properties will be far less from now onwards. It's not just now, but in last one year or so, the properties under construction, which are coming in newly under construction, which is fresh launches, have been far less. So last three years, every year successively, the number of projects that are being launched is coming down sharply by about 30-35 percent every year on the previous year. Which means the new inventory coming to the market will be lesser and lesser in the next. Year to two year to three year, you will not see much of fresh inventory coming to the market, which means again the demand supply will play out. It's a commodity ultimately, and therefore there will be a shortage of projects inventory after two years. So that is the time when you will see uh, price increases happening on good projects inventory uh, because people ultimately need houses. It's roti kabra makan. It's a basic necessity, and that is when you will see. Uh, interest coming back into the sector because by that time the shakeout would have happened, consolidation would have got completed. There will be far stronger hands, better practices, and uh, and uh, even the financiers would have learned all the lessons, or a lot of the lessons which they should. Uh, so that all, when all these factors play out, uh, and when far lesser inventory is under construction and the supply is limited, that is when you will start seeing price increases and Once again, the cycle starts. So that's what I have. I I think will happen. Otherwise, crystal ball gazing, but that's only logical that it could happen. So one more question: How do you see the real estate financing scenario pan out? Means if we see last 10 to 12 years earlier, it was banks who were aggressive in their business, then banks won hands, then a lot of NBFCs came up. Okay. Today we find a lot of listed NBFCs are in distress and want to change their business model itself. Okay. Yes. Yes. With LRD, we are seeing banks now. You are already saying will be more cautious because what is happening in the industry. What means if I want to learn globally or means generally in this business, do you see the mortality is always higher in space of financiers also? Yeah. How do you see the Scenario pan out means what can be we learn from a global perspective means because this industry is much more newer to us. So can you give some idea how it globally pans out and what do you think will be the evolution of this industry over a period of time? Yeah, 
Yeah, so I think this industry, uh, like it is, like hopefully it is in other financial, uh, in other aspects of the, of the BSSI world, uh, the NDFC industry is something where you need a huge amount of discipline uh, to sustain and survive cycles. Uh, if you build a book just for the sake of building a book and growing for the sake of valuations, it's very, very easy to distribute money. But when the time comes to collect the money and the time comes to see who your customers are, that is the time when the the men and the boys get separated. Uh, as we are seeing now in the NBC sector. So before crisis, before uh, the NDFC crisis of September 18, there were about 20 active HFCs and NDFCs financially realistic developers. Currently, there are not more than three. Three, maybe maximum four. to starts there. Uh, so basically, the remaining exist. Many, some of them don't exist also, but yeah. the remaining exist. But they are more like passive existence, but not active in terms of financing. So all I'm saying is, if 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 the industry had been more disciplined and people had done transactions as they should be doing, I mean, there's nothing new for rocket science. It will just be disciplined, conservative, cautious, and separate out and just do the transactions which are good from a risk return perspective, then you will survive cycles and you're prudent about it, you'll survive cycles, there's no problem at all. But if greed comes in and gets the better of you as an NDFC HFC, then you'll be finished in the next downturn. That's what will happen. So it all depends on how your shareholders and your perspective is. Uh, so if you look at the financiers also, uh, apart from banks and some large ones like HDFC and Kotak. Um, the remaining universe is largely, it changes every cycle. So, um, pre-2008, there was a, there were about 50 active private equity funds in India, pre-2008, who were funds from real estate developers. From that list, there are not more than two or three who are active today. There are two. Uh, so, it changes very actively across cycles. Uh, and therefore, discipline and governance is absolutely important. If you're not there, then other things won't matter at all, including growth. In the, in the next cycle, do you think the industry also becomes consolidated, even on the NDFC side, not just a builder, so we may see six to seven the air, HDFCs and quotas and six to seven years only remaining in the business, or do you think and do you think the private equity players means who are coming will still be there in the NDFC space? What's your sense on these two points? So, yeah, so I think um, consolidation in the financial sector is a bit more difficult because uh, it's, it's pretty difficult to assess the loans in portfolios of somebody else uh, than it is to assess projects which you can see they are physical projects, but they are called financial uh, papers and those interactions between developers and lenders uh, and how the books are of the industry which is being acquired. So you don't know what you're getting into. Uh, so today, for example, so many NGFCs are available and not just today, over the last year and a half, so many NGFCs have been available. But the larger NGFCs or larger banks haven't bought, it's been very, very little, maybe one person of what is available has been bought. Why is that the case? I mean, it's not that Kotak and HDFC and a Tata or a Brilla or a Bajaj are short of capital. They're not. But the, the doubts, the minds of the buyers are so high that nobody knows what the truth is in the, in the balance sheet of the seller. And the seller could be a bank or an NDFC or HFC. So it's far more difficult to consolidate financial uh, sector than it is to consolidate the real sector uh, because of balance sheet and accounting issues and all these creative things that happen. So I don't think too much will happen but the the small but the small but the badly governed or the badly managed agencies will just remain like zombies and they'll just exist. And after a few years they'll just fade out out of existence or remain very, very small. Uh, and they but they I don't think they'll be merged or consolidated too much. They'll just remain. Uh, so that's what I would think will happen. As far as private equity is concerned, uh, so 
priority could be interest has been there and I think will continue to be there. A lot of learnings have been there and I'm sure a lot of people have absorbed so many learnings over the last few years. And whenever new and basic are being set up, uh, they will incorporate these learnings into those NBSC. So they will be set up, but uh, I think it will be slightly different in terms of their target segments, in terms of expectations of return, in terms of leverage levels, in terms of uh, governance. So there will be some differences versus what it was, let's say, 10 years back. Mr. Milani, can you uh, help us understand if uh, NDSC and banks total exposure to real estate is 100, how much of that 100 would be in the form of LID? This is not there anyway, but I think it should be about 40, around 40. Yes, 40. 40. 40. 40. 40. 40. 40. 40. It's not there anyway, though. I have not seen this anyway, but that's my... I've seen a few earlier a few reports and spoken to a few banks about it, but yeah, it's 35 to 40. How much of that... It's a ballpark number, we don't have exact numbers. Yeah. How much of that would be banks versus NDSC? I think it's largely banks. Uh, I think 80-85% would be banks. Okay, okay. And for the sector, as a... Banks and NVSC is the only source of LRD funding or do we have private debt or any other uh, those sort of funding sources as well for LRD? So it would be largely banks and NVSCs and SSCs. Uh, but yeah, from FPI also from offshore for a few LRDs, but that's not much. But largely these banks, mutual funds also become extent and uh, NVSC SSCs. But it, amongst all of these, banks would be the far bigger segment. Okay, okay. And uh, to your one earlier comment that going forward, the aggressive LRD uh, lending would be probably cut back. So, uh, is it on the incremental lending or on the existing book also probably banks will ask for repayments and monthly? No, I think incremental. I think incremental because existing, then you can't, how will banks ask? And if they ask, then the developer won't have money to pay, so they can't be a default. So, on, and talk about incremental uh, what was happening before COVID was it was a lot of uh, incremental top up refinancing which would get uh, which would get uh, shifted from one lender to the other uh, and that I think will stop or it would happen only for office good offices where the rents have been lower in the market and where it's been repriced there it would happen but otherwise uh, that would reduce. But not only existing, it would be refinancing only as to reduce. In that 35 to 40% of the overall LRD, and what we are saying is there would be a lot of consolidation in the, you know, um, malls and commercially listed and all. Do you think a near term pain in terms of asset quality on the LRD side means um, um, so the NPA can increase their kind of thing? Yeah, it could. I mean, it all depends on what the project is and who the developer is. So, so all I'm saying is that. Even for retail malls which are being more affected compared to office, the good malls in the good locations or or the good developers in not so good locations will be okay. But if it is not a great developer and not a good location, uh, not not a priority for a large retailer to be in, then those malls will suffer. And there you will see uh, inadequacy of cash flows and there you, those malls will be available for consolidation at the hands of the bigger ones and then those lenders may suffer because the incoming developer may ask for a record. Okay. So, um, um, say suppose uh, their uh, LTV on the real estate on the back calculated would be what? Six means uh, uh, it would be what? Uh, 70, 75 percent and it's the NOI declined by 10 maximum. Yeah, and if the NOI declined by 10-20%, then uh, theoretically you are the LTV of 100%, right? Yes. So, in that case, uh, your, uh, uh, theoretically you can come with a kind of, uh, um, the covenant can get, uh, you know, uh, 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 covenant will be like, uh, you can you can declare that as an NPA or you have to take it to the NCLT kind of thing, this situation can arise? Yeah, it's theoretically yes, but again, lenders would not want to trigger an NPA just because reduction has happened in renting. As long as the developer is paying the lender, bank or NGS to whoever, I don't think the lender will follow an NPA just like that because anyway, most lenders are living under NPA, so if they do that, then the NPA will be far higher. So, payment default obviously will be ground for NPA, uh, but 
in our example of uh, it going on its process, that is itself a cause for concern and therefore it's a very cut to cut absolute uh, nothing existence. If, if, if tomorrow some retailers were to go out or negotiate for lower rentals or that their sales are not much and only the NG is what is effectively giving money to the developer, then the, the LRD servicing will be under threat and the servicing to the vendors will, will be a problem. So yeah, so at that point, before all this happens, the developer then has to do something, reconfigure the mall, get in some commercial office also, or sell a portion of it to somebody else, operate it as something else, uh, or sell some parts of it. So all these things need to be done by the developers, and this is any problem that may arise. Otherwise, if you wait for things to the end, then you will not get a price and your lenders also will suffer. So, it all is also the developer also. Yeah, so basically you have to deal with it because that is what happening. All the retail chain stores and all these guys are saying to reduce the rent or take the rental as on a percentage of sales. So, basically you have to deal with it first. Otherwise, it will, it will reach a 100% kind of thing. Is my assessment right? Yes, yes but uh, yeah, you have to deal with it. But then how do you deliver it? Yeah, so that's what